Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and today you will hear about building communities in healthcare. There can be many reasons to build a community around your product, to expand your network, get valuable connections, get direct feedback from your users, get ideas for improvement, and raise customer satisfaction. Building communities is time-consuming and demands special soft skills. I talked to Aline Wazet, Digital Health Connector, with rich experiences of building and getting to know communities in the digital health space. She started her digital health journey in a digital health startup in Barcelona before becoming an important part of Health 2.0 and later Bayer's G4A. Aline and I discussed the digital health ecosystem in Barcelona, where she is currently based. She talked about what does it take to build and sustain a community and what role does she play in startup development as a digital health connector. Enjoy the show or read the recap on our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. Aline, I usually start with very specific questions, but for you, I want you to introduce yourself for those that don't know you yet in the digital health community, though I doubt that there's many people that wouldn't hear about you. Um, I would describe myself as digital health connector. So that's kind of me. And that's also the company that I started. So my web, my website is live now. When I was studying, there was an event where students were, were meeting startups for summer internship. And just by chance, because I was speaking French, uh, I got to meet that company that I start, started working with that was called uh, Dr. Alia. And my first day into the job was actually a conference in Madrid where you had hundreds of uh, nurses and doctors who were blogging and tweeting and sharing best practices. That was absolutely amazing for me. And that was actually the journey. That's how I started. I absolutely fell in love with the industry. And a few months after that, we started uh, the Health 2.0 Barcelona chapter. And then that was it from one conference to the next and, and from building communities. And so that was actually 2011. So it was like, yeah, nine years ago. I should say that I think I, I got also lucky in terms of timing because when I got in the industry, so 2011 was when things were really starting to, to pick and they were really looking for experts in innovation of people that can really... Um, make a difference and lead the way. What's your reflection on all these years? How have startups changed? Has the mindset changed? Has the approach to building solutions changed in any way? Yes, a lot. And I think something that I remember very well was um, how it evolved through the Health 2.0 conferences. So, um, yeah, I joined Health 2.0. It uh, was 2014. And I co-organized the Health 2.0 Europe conferences for, for a few years. And we clearly saw the, the evolution there. So the, the first what years... Sense? what What was changing? So the first years, um, the startups were showcasing solutions, but they had trouble like um, the solution was not adopted by the system. 
So they came with a solution, but without a client. A few years after, we really saw like the solution were being adopted. Hospitals were using the solutions in, in their premises. That's where we also saw the pharma getting into the game, starting the accelerator, so starting with, with Bayer, and slowly after the insurance companies. The startups were developing solutions more focused on needs. At the beginning, it was more like, okay, I've got an idea, let's make a product. But a lot of them realized that was not that was not working. So more and more startups were starting more from like the bio-bio design, identify your need, and build a solution for that need. Do you also uh, observe any changes from the user side? So how are hospitals, doctors, nurses, patients acting towards what's being presented to them? When I think back, when I started, I think we were missing some ed education. All that was new. And it was scary, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse and someone come to you and present you that solution. But people were not necessarily explaining uh, the benefits for them and how to use it. So when it's something new, like you're scared and it, it makes sense, you know, it happens to all of us. And I think things evolve in a way that there were more education. Those uh, healthcare professionals and nurses got to understand better. They got taught better how the solution can actually be implemented in the system and how it can help them. And I think also um, those healthcare professionals and nurses got more involved in the process. That's something also very important, you know, like you need to get them involved because they're going to be using your, your solution. So coming back to what you were asking before, that's something that we also saw much more. Um, so at the beginning, the, the startups were coming and say, yeah, that's our, our so solution in USM also. Was it validated by the market? And I say, yeah, well, we can't find any clients. I say, yeah, but did you did you talk to doctors like along the process? Was it validated? Say, no, no, we didn't talk to them, and and that that changed actually. The after that, thing the startups were talking earlier, really involving healthcare professional, nurses, and patients are way more in the process, and that ensures that those solutions actually what the market is, is uh, looking for. So the, the success rate is much higher, reaching the market. Since you got into digital health, one of your specialties basically was building communities. How does one even start? For example, if you want to build a community of nurses or doctors, which are to a certain extent skeptical about technology because it's at the moment causing them a lot of uh, pain. So I would say it's not about you, it's about them. So get to know the, the, those people. If you come with your big shoes and say, I want to sell you something, that's my product, this is not going to work. Like You need to understand them. And also a good way to uh, start, um, like a good way to start a relationship with those people is to get them involved in the process of what you're doing. You know, saying, I've got that idea. What do you think about it? Would you like to be involved? Would you like to give me some, some feedback? That's very important. Like when, when you build a product, you get them involved, but don't just go and see them when you want to sell them something. And I think how to meet them. So some, um, some nurses, healthcare professional will go to conferences. So, so that's a good starting point to meet them. I think social media is, is an, another one. If you go on on on, uh, on Twitter, 
like there's a very active community there. So that's also a way to make connection. But I think it's all more about connection. You make connection with people and that's how you build your, your com uh, community. We tend to say that um, culture is more important than innovation, you know, so if you don't tackle people, you're not going to be successful. So from that perspective, knowing how large organizations, hospitals are, do you have any advice in terms of how can you um, try to spread a specific solution among those that are really skeptical and resistant towards new implementations? I would say try to talk to those people. Try to understand why they are re reluctant. In many cases, what I've found th those past years is that those people are reluctant because they don't really understand like the education part that we're mentioning before. If you sit down with them, like you would do for like a, a solution, try to understand their problem. Why don't they want to use that that so solution? And try to get to know them better. Then create that. That will take more time, but I think it will be very useful because maybe that's kind of a different target group, and you need to adapt your solution to that target. And other people are gonna follow that specific person who is reluctant to adopt your solution. What would you say is the role of online uh, communities and social media in sustaining these communities? So if we talk specifically about uh, doctors or nurses, and they might not necessarily be on Twitter or LinkedIn, how can you um, encourage collaboration or staying in touch with them online? I actually found out that... that um The healthcare communities, so doctors, nurses, um, are quite active on Facebook. So they, they use Facebook for like the, the private use and also uh, they join some some groups that are interest to them for, for work. So that's a way to uh that's something that I always recommend, you know, when you develop like an online uh when you develop an online strategy. Facebook should be part of really consider Facebook as a as an important element to reach out to the healthcare professional. What does it take to sustain a community? It's like you know we say when you when you're looking for investment, you shouldn't go and talk to the investors when you need the money, but that's you should really connect with the investors way before and you create a connection with the investors. You you create a relationship. And the investors are here They will accompany you along the way. They will get to know you. They can give you some feedback, some advice. And the day when you, you're looking for some money, they're here. And the process is going to be also like faster. And the same when you, um, if you think that you're successful and you, you stop talking to the community, that's a mistake because it's going to slow down your growth because you will never, even if you're a successful company, you will never stop needing access to the to to the market so i think that you need like a strong anchor like normally if you have someone like a strong figure will be here who will like bring those people together within the community that will uh, talk to the community regularly that will make the people from the community feel important and feel that they exist 
I think that's es- essential. And if if you lose that, that's kind of the glue that will bring them together. Yeah, that's when you lose the, the community. But are these community managers, let's call them like that, do you think they're valid enough? Because, you know, bringing people together goes among the soft skills. So you can quickly have, I don't know, a CEO or a decision maker that is going to say anyone can do that when in fact that's far from what's the reality. Well, I'd say that, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. You know, for I've been leading the Health to Pono Barcelona community for yeah nine years now. And yeah, it is a lot of work like it's time out of your of your free time um where you really need to constantly like yeah keep the people together you need to innovate also in the way you do things like trying to understand what your community want how can you serve them because i think that's very important it's not about you it's about them perhaps we can st- stop here for a while longer Maybe you have someone who wants to get close to the, his uh, users. What kind of different approaches can you take in order to make people be interested in what you're trying to do to help them? Again, I think that should come from them. You know, if if you're trying to to like kind of force someone to do something, that's not the right way to do things. So maybe try to understand um What's the interest of this person? What do they want to hear? Maybe the format is not right. Um, and maybe if they don't come to all the events that you're doing, all the activities, that's fine. But just find something that can really bring value to them. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about uh, Barcelona uh, Health 2.0 chapter? So what kind of activities do you organized for your uh, community what's making it successful for so long so we organize events um so we started organizing events every two three months the usual format was three startups that were pitching their company so presenting to the to the audience so that was giving them a stage so they could get visibility and the audience knew what was happening around them And we're actually very, very happy because uh, a lot of collaboration came out of those meetings because there's always two parts. So first part, it's like the, f- the formal part of the presentation and second part to always get a bit of like a food and drinks so people can really interact and create connections between them. And a lot of um, collaboration happened during those events. And that's the thing I'm like the most proud about when we talk about Half to Pono. And also, you know, like the startups that were mentioning before, we had to evolve and to adapt to that evolution of the, the startups and the, and the space. And now I think the events we are doing are more um, education, what's happening in the space and entrepreneurs sharing their experience with other entrepreneurs. So one of the very successful events that we, that we did About two years ago was a session on uh, investment where we brought um, different profiles. So we had a VC, an incubator, a business angel, and all those people shared the experience going through those different form of uh, getting investment or, or growing. And, and that's something like still today, the, the members 
remember that session as one of the most uh, successful. Are there any differences that you could mention in terms of so Health 2.0 Barcelona is a local chapter, but you were also involved, uh, Health, Health 2.0 was a global organization before it got acquired by HIMSS, and G4A is also a global uh, organization for startups. Um, how was community building different on that scale? So with the Grand Straps G4A community, it was more built around Bayer, and the different teams. So it started in, in Berlin and then it expanded uh, in different cities and countries. And I think the goal of those GFRA was more to bring closer the, the Bayer community, the Bayer people with the local startups. So they could understand, they could get inspired by the startups and they could also think of new ways of, of how to improve their business loc locally based on the issues that they were encountering or just how to improve business. And Health to Bono, I think, is a bit different because it's more focused on st startups, how to help the startups. So Health to Bono originally was created to give a stage to the startups and to showcase the latest innovation in healthcare, like putting them in touch with investors, with pharma company like, like Bayer, or with insurance company, and also creating collaboration between the startups themselves and for them to learn from each other. You now started the business. You call yourself now the Digital Health Connector. Tell me a little bit more about that. So what does a connector do? For me, a connector actually connects dots between the different actors in the healthcare ecosystem. So I'm more focused on, on startups. That's my passion. That's what I've been doing since the very beginning. And um, I want to help the startups growing. And for that, I think they need to know the right people in the space. Like, what do they need to do when it comes to uh, regulatory, for instance? What do you need to do? Who can help you? Then what you, when you want to connect or build those communities, who should you talk to, etc. So how do you know who is the right fit for who? There has to be an incentive for both parties to to work together. It could hurt your reputation, you know, if you referred any startup that's come that comes in contact with you to the investors that you know, you know, they would just the investors would stop taking you seriously. I work with uh, people that I like, with projects that I'm passionate about. So I, I don't choose any project. That's the luxury that I have today. I can choose. And then the match But that also comes from, from years of experience in, in the space. But you need to understand, well, when it comes to investment, what are the investors looking for? Like in terms of um, profile of the company, how much money are they putting in the companies? And then you understand the, 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 you understand the startups, what they do, what they're looking for. And I think I'm lucky to have kind of a, a special skill in my head to connect those those people that's like my uh, my magic sauce i'd say can you think of any uh, negative experiences that you had so far or maybe not negative experiences but really difficult situations that you were in hard not to crack in terms of connecting different stakeholders well i think people need to understand that connecting is like It's a lot of work. It doesn't just come like that. Like the network that I have today, that is necessary to be a connector. 
It's like years of work and connections that I built. And those connections are more like personal relation that I made with the people. I know the people. And, and sometimes people come to you like startups and they just expect you to, to give everything for free or to just have access to that as if it was something natural. It's similar to what I said before, you know, taking, perceiving, connecting as something that anyone can do. Yeah, but I don't think it's the case. I think you need a lot of empathy to connect people. You need to listen to the people, but really listen to understand what each part is giving and, and, and needs. And maybe also something that I, I found difficult in the past when I connected to people because I really saw, um, like for me, it was clear that those people had to meet and I could really see like what they could do together. But those people didn't. So they met and nothing happened. And then they even told me that it was like a, a waste of the time. That's something also that could learning for me that when you connect someone and you see something, you need to be very clear on where you see the connection between those people, like the potential between those people. Okay. So did anyone ever ask you if they felt that they didn't get a good match? Did they ask you like, why exactly did you think that we could work together? Well, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, that was, that was a big learning for me at the time. That's when I realized that putting people in touch is not enough. Like you need to really prepare each of them to give them a good introduction of who are the people and where you see the potential between the two. What can they do together? Can you tell me more about the digital health ecosystem in Barcelona? Where is it based? How often do you meet? Uh, what's happening in the community? The ecosystem has been like, very active for like since we we began in 2012 um we really maintained like an act active communities all those years and uh, the great news is that uh the Barcelona Health Hub was born last year to really consolidate the ecosystem and i think that's really what was missing here Barcelona Health Hub is a co uh, it's a co-working space focused entirely on on healthcare so it's a uh, It's a big building where you will find uh, startups, pharma company, insurers, investors, all related to digital health. It is located in the beautiful San Paolo Art Nouveau site, which is today a museum, and it used to be the former uh, San Paolo uh, uh, Hospital. It is today um, a, a UNESCO World Heritage, and um, I mean, it's a just amazing amazing piece of work, amazing piece of art. And what's incredible is that that hospital at the time was built for the, for the poor people so, so that they could actually feel well and be like come to a place that really look majestuous. And it's like, you have to come and visit us. It's not something that, that you can get here listening to the podcast. You really need to come and see by, um, by, by yourself. You mentioned that the Barcelona Health Hub is active for a year. 
Now, um, do you already see any specific results? Uh, what are the plans on how is this organization going to be developing? What is the practical value that it's bringing? So we heard about the idea, what it's supposed to bring. What about the results? So we already organized uh, several events. So we had the Barcelona Health Hub Summit, like the annual event that happened in October. And in December, we had the first uh, in investor day. And I could say, yeah, those were two big successes where the idea was really to bring together corporate companies and startup from the healthcare space. And we succeeded to that. And uh, people are talking because they met at those two events. And what's in store for, for the coming month or the coming year is really to, to make Barcelona Health Hub more of an international hub. So to connect the hub with other international hub across Europe and across the world to increase the synergies and to help like both the companies from Barcelona to go to the world and for the world to come to Barcelona. Given that you're in the digital health space for over nine years, uh, can you tell me uh, what is your reflection on 2019 Are there any events that really um, impressed you or kind of surprised you or stuck in your mind? In 2018, when we talked about 2019, what I was expecting, one of my prediction was that voice and AI would be strong. And I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, I think I was right on that. So For me, a big, a big thing, a big milestone from 2019 was um, um, uh, Alexa Amazon becoming IPA compliant. And I think that will make a major difference. We'll have more voice and AI solution active in the space. Like an example of a skill that was launched by Alexa is now you can connect your prescription with, with your Amazon account. And Alexa is going to send you uh, reminders to take your pills and also to refill your prescription. Um, another thing that really um, marked my year 2019 was, uh, so it was a few months back, um, there was a, a young French guy who was able to, to walk again. So he's a, a quadriplegic. So he's like paralyzed from the shoulders to the bottom. He can't walk. And on that day, he was able to walk using an exoskeleton. But the magic of that is that, but, but the magic of that is that he was controlling the exoskeleton himself through his brain. So they, they implanted a sensor in his brain that was reading, uh, the brain waves. So he was giving the directions himself. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And I can really see more things like that happening in the future. Um, and you, you can think of people today that can't express themselves because they got into accident or they, they lost, um, abilities and using our brain as an interface, we would actually be able to communicate with those people to know what they want, what they don't want, etc. And another thing that I think was a, an important and, um, and another thing that was very popular in 2019 was uh, TikTok. Have you heard of TikTok? No, actually. I mean, I've heard about it, but I never used it. So they actually uh, short videos, like lip-syncing videos. They last um, 
15 30 seconds they're, they're pretty short and especially popular with the gen z and uh it's actually it's been it's been used quite a lot in the in the healthcare community among the the obgyn the uh, gynecologist doctors and the ladies who are suffering from a uh, 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 in um the ladies who are suffering from uh, in infertility issues um it's been really taken over so they they can share that issue they can support each other they can empower each other and say that 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 example of a, a patient who's been trying to to have a baby for for nine years and the healthcare professional told her that she could never have a baby but she did she was really res resilient so she's really sharing that experience on tiktok and motivating other ladies you know like don't give up it can happen and she's sharing how she changed a diet or, or things like that you know to really help them and then you have those uh, gynecologists that in your very like funny videos it's tiktok is always very funny like you really have a good time when you look at those videos and they are just yeah educating the people on um what you should do or not do you know even as a like around women health and what i find interesting is that it's also a way to reach those people who are at an age when they're trying to decide what they want to do when they grow up and uh, those gynecologists actually also sharing what the job looks like so that can inspire young ladies or, or young boys to become gynecologists in the in the future so yeah i really encourage you to check tiktok and to try it yourself You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. Find out more about Aline on her website www.thedigitalhealthconnector.com and as always, stay tuned, leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to be notified about the next episode automatically.